Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Hoovering, the podcast about eating. I'm Jessica Fosterkew. I love eating as much as anything else in the world, but also it sometimes brings me conflict, shame, and all sorts of other things that are rubbish. It's complicated and I think fascinating. This is a conversation with an interesting soul, not just about food, but about gobbling it up, or if you will, hoovering. Hey stinkers, it's February! And as my five-year-old would really randomly and deeply inappropriately really because he's white and middle class say, Booyah! The spring will sprung soon, or whatever the phrase is, and my first guest of this exciting new dawn of a month is a truly amazing actor who I was lucky enough to make friends with on a job nearly two years ago now, the magnificent Julie Hesmondall. Yes, please. Before we crack on, though, um, I need to remind you that there's a Hoovering live show online this weekend. It's a fiver. It's on Sunday, the 7th of February. If you're listening in the future, you're too late. It's at 2.30pm UK time, and it's part of the brilliant Leicester Comedy Festival which obviously has gone online with the wizards behind Next Up Comedy. Uh, my guests are of Leicester or Midlands origin. Um, I've got the amazing Grace Petrie, my dear mate, folk legend and activist, ace comedian Darren Harriet, and um, Bake Off lovely man from the last series, Mark Elliott. Yes! For tickets, go to comedy-festival. .co.uk and there is as ever a link in the podcast notes uh, or all over the podcast social media account to get tickets please come just come if you're a patron check your messages actually for discount codes or uh, for a free link depending on the tier that you're in oh I'd love it if you could all come 
If you don't know uh, what I mean by if you're a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod. It's uh, where you can swap your hardened pennies from as little as a few quid a month for podcast related brilliant things including discount tickets but before you do that if you've got spare money for one thing not various things i'd rather you gave it this week to an amazing organization that julie today's guest is part of the team behind it's called 500 acts of kindness it's where you give literally i think a quid a week um and so do hundreds of other people and then that pool of money goes out to the most incredible causes um, from people who need a load of debt shifting through to at the moment um, I know they're giving money to schools who uh, need laptops to give out to kids who've got no laptops no wi-fi who are trying to homeschool there because they're totally independent really flexible and doing some really amazing work you get a monthly newsletter saying all the things that your money will have gone towards and it's always amazing what a thing she's done setting that up she fittingly as an act of kindness donated her fee for this podcast to them right let's get into our hoovering um we both made the same soup julie and i it's a, an anna jones classic i think anyway it's basically tomato soup for wankers it's got fresh anton tomatoes plus tahini and miso and a topping that's got toasted sesame seeds and handfuls of fresh coriander yummy we're chatting over the zooms naturally the only thing to warn you about in this very cheerful episode is that it contains ever so slight spoilers for the film the sound of metal could be worse sitting is you're getting cold actually I need yeah to sorry mind. right we need to be sitting. yeah i'll show you mine Oh, I've put all the, I've made all, I didn't think I'd bother making all the toppings, but I have. All the toppings are the best. I didn't, I didn't have any coriander, but I'm not big keen on that anyway. But Oh, are you? Yeah. Do you know, it's apparently it's genetic whether or not you like coriander. I've heard that too. Cilantro. Cilantro. <laughs> mm. Oh God. It's so good. It's levelled up from tomato soup, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love That's sesame good. seeds so much. Yeah, I do. I do. They, they really make it, actually. Yeah, I think they do. Do you remember the first time you ever tried sesame oil? I grew up in the countryside and we didn't have much international cuisine options down in Dorset. And I feel like sesame oil was one of those things that probably popped up in a supermarket and my dad would have bought on a whim and then tasting it and being like, oh, life just got pretty snazzy. <laughs> It's those things, and I mean, my God! I mean, I grew up in the bloody eighties in Accrington, so I mean, I didn't, I didn't even know what olive oil was. Well, <laughs> <laughs> on sesame oil, I remember all these things like tiramisu being just like, what is that? Just all these extraordinary things, and actually. I'm still learning because I I went um, well. I've trying to be been I've been trying to be vegan for a couple of years now. Right, fair play. I've been doing it pretty dedicated for a year now. So in this, I like replace the honey with a bit of golden syrup. So oh, like, okay. It's really nice. And um, that's proper if you're not even having honey. You're not even a vegan. I know, I know, and and I don't really completely understand the reasoning behind it. But I thought, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to do, do you know what I mean? And also. I've got teenage daughters who were on me all the time. Right. So if I accidentally have something, like a Dorito, it's like, you know, they're not vegan, don't you? They're oh. just trying to catch me out all the time. They're not vegan. They have no, they have no investment in it. It's just a whole game of like, let's catch mum out as she tries to be a better human being and better oh. on the planet. Let's just constantly be trying to catch her out on that. But it's been hilarious because during this lockdown in particular, I've really, really tried, especially as mum eldest daughter isn't here 
My mm. youngest daughter eats like a toddler. So I always right. have to just make a separate meal for her that is just like plain pasta and broccoli. You know, <laughs> no sauce on it. It is like, it's like proper fish fingers. That's the level we're at. Right, got it. I've been able to be a bit more adventurous for me and Kirsch, my husband, yeah. because my eldest daughter is not there to be fussy either. So I've been trying <laughs> out some new recipes, which is really funny because our Tesco is online, quite a sort of like famous estate just up the road on Assisley. Right. The best people in the world work at our Tesco. Get in. But I'm going in with these like really fancy vegan recipes. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I found one, I found one in paper that I wanted to try. And there was like, there were ingredients in it that I had never heard of. And nice. I was just like, so I'm searching for them in the slightly more exotic kind of Polish sort of aisles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh God, I cannot ask. I cannot ask. And eventually I found someone and I'm like, I'm really, really sorry. And I literally said it to him. I said, I know I'm a wanker. Yes. <laughs> but there's a couple of things that I don't know what they are and I don't even know where to start looking for them. Do you have them? And this is so brilliant. This salt of the earth Tesco worker who I absolutely love said to me, what is it, Julie? What is it? I said, it's, it's kimchi. Kimchi. <laughs> kimchi. Gladys. Gladys, do you know what kimchi is? <laughs> kimchi? Yeah. Have you got the app? So they look on the app and they're like, if, if it's anywhere, Julia, I'd be like, world, world, world food, world food. And then he said to me, in possibly the best exchange I've ever had in Tesco, he went, well, I've got you, Julia. If you ever need xanthigum, you'll find that on the free for mile because I'm looking for it for hours the other week, looking for, for a recipe. <laughs> Thanks very much. I love it. is something I've seen written down. I was like, it's yeah. something with an X in it. And I was like, yeah. I said, yeah, I, I've seen that written down. I've never been called on to use it yet. And oh. I, had to have, I had to get mirin as well, which I've never heard oh, of. Oh, like mirin rice wine stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They had that. They had that right. at Tesco, Absolute. I said, this is the best shop in the world. Nothing beats this shop. I didn't oh. have kimchi. I had to make my own kimchi. Oh, God. Child, That's but, um, a ball ache, isn't it, actually? I made kimchi in lockdown one, and it turned out to be a huge titake, but it was worth it. Yeah, it was really nice, really yeah. nice, but a complete titake. I had I mean, um, a similar experience. It was a while ago now in um, I, the, the big Tesco's near me in Lewisham, which is similarly... Um, spicy <laughs> really characterful um and um what my two favorite things have ever happened there they're both probably you know knocking on for t- sometime between five and ten years ago now but one i was trying to do a nigella recipe it was like a a chocolate mint uh fl- like tart thing with a biscuit base incredible dragonfly pie or something it's called it was amazing Gosh. but um in the rest in the ingredients was um I th- oh god what was it called it was called cassis de cacao and it was like nigella microwave it was it's basically like a chocolate liqueur and then it was idiotic of me because i now know you're meant to go to the like dodgy little offy on the corner if you want liqueurs and booze stuff but i went in tesco's and asked for that and i, I looked everywhere at first and then i thought oh just what's what customer services is for and she yeah. was like what she was so like incredulous and she you know i regretted it but once you've started the conversation it is hard to back back out of it again then isn't it and then it's um completely is it's like yeah. it's my, my mate um who i grew up with is sicilian his, his family he's second generation his family first uh, generation mm. sicilian there's a lot of sicilians in accrington actually there's sort of a 
a big sort of migration from this one particular part. Oh, wow. Agrigento in Sicily. And, you know, like communities form like that, don't they? And his dad was a tailor in Accrington, very famous. And and he's an actor. Of course, of course he's always been like massive foodie. And yeah. uh, and he went into Accrington Asda once. This is, this is going back a few years now. Um, but he went in and he said that he was looking for olives and he went to one of the um, one of the workers there and said, oh, um, have you got any olives? And she was like, olives, yes. And, he, and she started walking and he followed her and then he went down a few aisles and then she turned around to him and said, it is a pudding, isn't it? It's <laughs> 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 just like, oh my God, okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm waiting for my dad to go to the wholesalers in Manchester and why but, but yeah. But we've come a long way, haven't we? We have come a long way, yeah. In the end, she made me type it in. She was like, spell it out. And I had to do it letter by letter. She yeah. typed in cassis de cacao or whatever it was, creme de cacao. <laughs> and then she just sort of looked up and went, all we've got really is cheese. Say <laughs> <laughs> scrum diddly umptious. And then you can be in my podcast. Once in there as well, there was this lad serving me on the tills and um, he went to get, it was, this is dates it. He went to pull a bag off to give me and I went, oh, it's all right. Don't worry. I'll use my rucksack. And he went, all right, want a medal? (laughs) Okay, now. That's the sort of thing that our kids will go, that didn't happen. You go, it did. It did. And I used, I sat on a plane as a child with a parent either side of me smoking. That happened too. You can't believe it. None of us had phones. On the tube. On the tube. Like people used to smoke on the tube. I'm just like, how was that ever a thing? Or in the in the the cinema, you know, it's just (laughs) actually I've been this week um I've been watching It's a Sin. Have you seen it? Oh I'm um uh, three episodes in, got the last I had to stop last night because I was getting too sad. Yeah, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's extraordinary. And we stopped after three for a break, only only a twenty four hour break. Of course, yeah. We could have been up till three watching it and we said, Well, we'll we'll watch the other two. So we, we finished it a couple of nights ago. And I and I was talking to my eldest daughter about it, and she said that what really struck her, apart from you know obviously the tragedy of that time, which of mm. course she knows about now because that's like history now for her as yeah, somebody yeah. who's very, very engaged, you know, in gender politics and queer politics and stuff as well. You know, she's yeah. she's very aware of that time, but there was this part of her that really yearns for that time that my generation had, and and. The generation of It's a Sin is slightly before me. They're, they're, they're slightly older than me. and um, But just of no phones yeah. and just that, just a group of mates going out to the pub and going out clubbing and stuff. You know, that is something that she feels for her generation doesn't really, well, certainly amongst her group of friends and not just because of the pandemic before that, you know, it's uh, she's really, really aware that, of a, a difference, you know, in the way that we used to communicate, all live together in a big house and all yeah, that, you know, yeah, which yeah. of course I did in London, you know, quite famously with a, a group of mates for years, you know, and, and that, that were my formative years, they really were. And, yeah. Yeah, and she feels like that's gone, you know, and then of course there's been so many more amazing things that have happened because of technology and stuff, but but that she really she really senses that she's losing out. The phones have actually done something to to erode that a little bit. From oh, completely. Uh, yeah. Because also, oh, I don't know. It has. It's fundamentally changed a bit of our how our human socialising, the nature of our socialisation, isn't it? In the sense that I remember when I had this friends of group of 
girlfriends. It, it, we we needed to get to we're in our late teens to stop being horrible to each other and fall in love with each other as friends, you know, and get that yeah. first taste of what it's like to have an incredible, brilliant friend or mm. four. And I'm still friends with them. But I remember when I went off to uni, grieving them, grieving, yeah. not seeing, hadn't thought about it before I went and then got there and was like, I had four people, five people who I saw, I just saw them every day, I took it for granted. I spent all day every day with them and now that's gone. And actually we all made a pact actually that we weren't allowed to contact, we weren't allowed to even landline ring each other or be visiting each other for term one. We were all like, we've all got to go and make new friends. And it was like, <laughs> and actually now, how could you do that? We're all so addicted to our phones. Oh yeah, we, it's like, you, it would be no different really. It's like, yeah. I was really lucky actually, because I, I got into drama school when I was 18 and I oh, went amazing. with my best friend. We both got in together. We auditioned on the same day, <gasps> got in and both went down. And there was somebody wow. else from Accrington as well in our year. There were like five of us from Accrington at Lambda. Accrington turning out, smashing actors. Unbelievable, because of one like brilliant teacher, of course, as always. Really, amazing. Was, unfortunately, we lost to COVID last year, unbelievably. Oh. But there were like, I mean, in the drama schools in London during that time, there, I mean, there yeah. were scores of us from Accrington, mm. but at Lambda, five of us, including my Sicilian friend, Joe, who was in the year above as well. So, and in the year above him, another lad from Accrington. So like when we first came down there, we were just like this little unit and it really helps because of course it was a complete culture shock because for me, you know, and I've just been reading Chris Eccleston's autobiography actually, and he talks about going down to London to drama school and suddenly being aware of his class. Right. Because, you know, when you when you grow up in a community, that's just your community. You don't yeah. define it in any way. You know, I remember my brother talking to me about it and not really understanding what he meant. You know, right. he, before I went down to London, he said, I know you've got a really, really strong identity as a woman. You know, I was absolutely, you know, you know, devout feminist back then. But he says, but do you ever think about you, yourself as a working class person? And I literally didn't really understand because for me, that sort of, Class was like about how we used to live, which was this like TV program we used to watch in school about sort of Victorian times. And yeah, then like, yeah. there were the posh ones, you know, the posh Victorian ladies. And then there were the chimney sweeps, you know. Yeah. And I, I knew I wasn't either of them, you know. And I was just like, well, we've got a live fridge, you know. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. How working class can we be? You know, it's like, and then I went to Lambda and suddenly mixed with like a huge different sort of you know, swathe of people, people from Eton, people from Herald, some Fucking from Anders. Yeah. It was complete culture shock, complete culture shock. And it took me, you know, it took me the three years to stop being a total pain in the arse about that and and just sort of settle into it and find our, our similarities rather than our differences and embrace that, you know. Yeah. But it was, it was a massive, a massive thing for me. And we oh, were just like useless. It. Me and Connie, just like in this house, you know, in Alperton, in northwest London, just like drinking hot mimsaw. <laughs> we'd go to like Budgeons on the way home and get this tray, this one pound tray with a turnip, a swede, a parsnip and a carrot in it and we'd steam it. Oh, it God! Oh God! Every. That's, that's potentially. I've had a lot of people talk to me about their student eating, and um, it's varied from a dear, brilliant comedian called Tez Ilias, whose mum used to continue to cook for him, and would give him because he couldn't cook for shit. If she didn't do that, he just got chips every night. So she would pre-make him stuff. He'd take it. 
frozen, um, stick it in his freezer at uni, and he had no. He would then just sort of reheat it very slightly. He had no idea that he wasn't meant to eat it. <laughs> not even frozen. Do that. Oh, yeah. God. Um, it's a wonder he's alive. But yours, I mean, I've had lots of variations on pasta. I think pasta happens a lot, doesn't it, as a student? But yeah. steamed root vegetables. I thought you were going in the direction of a soup and you really curved balled no, me there. No, 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 just steamed, steamed. Just steamed every, it, no, no sort of seasoning. Every single night. I do not remember any seasoning whatsoever. We lived in absolute squalor. <laughs> we lived in this like place where our toilet broke and we didn't even, like, we couldn't even be asked to ring the landlord so we were literally shitting in the garden like for a while oh yes i mean you were you couldn't have been more student but oh, actually we were incredibly healthy because we weren't getting our we weren't getting our five a day i was gonna say you're having Big a sweet day yeah, yeah. came back quite <laughs> lean say yeah. that no 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 unbelievable i mean obviously i didn't you know i didn't look any fitter because I was drinking my own body weight in cider say, yeah. at the same time, but yeah, <laughs> really, really horrific. And my mum was a good cook, is a good cook, and I, yeah. I would come home and I remember that we had quite a good diet actually because she discovered the um, the F plan, which was What's a big the diet. F plan. The F plan was is like this a, when you were growing up. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. was in the eighties. It was like it was the first sort of big diets that had a name oh, you know like the atkins and it was a book yeah. and everyone read it and it, f was with fiber basically so it was like a high right. fiber diet so it was replacing you like shit yourself thin shit yourself thin that's right. exactly what it was and the so, whole family went on that <laughs> well she just doesn't she had a, like a, a cookbook so she made right, fair play. from it right yeah bran flakes and all bran instead of rice krispies after that you know and that yeah. sort of stuff but it actually made her like quite uh a bit more interesting as a cook. It had been mm. pretty much meat and two veg and, you know, and yeah. my brother had come back from uni vegetarian, of course. Okay. <laughs> all went veggie for a little while. And then my dad started feigning like funny, funny spells. He started pretending that he was very hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the first to come off it. And I was, the only, I, I was the only one who stayed with it throughout my life. Right. And then, and then my nephew became vegan recently. He's a big XI activist and he became vegan and, and suddenly my vegetarianism felt a little bit half arsed and a bit too right. easy. But I, I did it sort of in solidarity with him and in order to, to try and gain massive anti-points from him. So. Yeah, oh, nice. I think you maybe were just at the beginning of that when we've worked together. I think you were talking about it anyway then. It is funny, isn't it? I had a, but I, I started, when I started this podcast, which is three years ago, which is mad, I was like going, well, I'll have a go at being vegan, but I'll be very relaxed about it. And then it, actually, I really, I got really into it for about a year. And then anyone who's listened to this from the beginning will have charted a borderline, com borderline comical downfall <laughs> into um, pescatarian, definitely pescatarian, <laughs> who... Um, but I dabble in it, you know. I don't. Yeah. I don't. Wouldn't think twice about. I just, to be honest, I'm at a place where I don't overthink what I'm going to eat particularly, and so. But I do happen to eat lots of vegan stuff, and my missus is vegetarian, so I at the moment don't have any fish really either, unless we're having a takeaway, which yeah. is joyful. Um, yes. But yeah, no, it is. And your was your reasoning for that other than impressing your nephew? sort of um ecological environmental would you say yeah 
yeah, it yeah. was very much that because because I mean, and that was always my reasoning for being vegetarian or pescatarian as I yeah, yeah. dipped in and out of that over the years. Um, the do you know I, I've always been very aware of that argument yeah. that it takes so much more land to feed the, the animals to feed the people than it does yeah. to feed people straight off the land and and um, and of course the, there comes a point where vegetarianism just isn't viable with that argument really just because of you know dairy being such a thing and it's not and yeah. I, I, I hate to ever. Uh, want anybody to think that I was evangelical about it because I never was about vegetarianism either. I hate it when people apologise for talking about meat. Do you know what I mean? They say, we had a burger last night. Sorry. And you're like, it's really fine. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I'm not an actual cat. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's not a racist word. You can still say burger. I won't be triggered. Exactly, exactly. But, um, yeah. I just, uh, but for me, I just... I, 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 I just felt it made sense, and, and it is, and it's yeah. all, and, and also animal welfare. I'm not such a foodie. I'm not so asked about what I put into my gob that I want something to suffer, to yeah, to, yeah. to fill my my you know already quite fat ass. I'm just like no, I just you know I I, I can make that sacrifice. I think quite yeah. easily, and actually you know it has made me much more inventive and much more thoughtful and much more mindful as a as a cook and an and eater you know so that that's been it's been it's been a good thing for me um mm-hmm. i don't necessarily feel healthy or anything it's certainly not a health choice but it's funny isn't it i think um yeah my um i've got a God, how old is she? That's really bad. I've got a half sister who's seventeen. Seventeen. And she's doing. Um, yeah, I've got half sister who's seventeen, <laughs> and um, she's doing veganuary at the time of recording. And um, she's um, never been like fussy eater, but never like particularly into food. I'd say, and. Um, she has been messaging more than me more than she ever has before because she knows I've flirted with planty eating and I'm still very into it. Um, that that uh, she's thrilled. She's like it's there's like a passion for eating and it's exactly that. I think it's she suddenly wants to cook for the first time ever. Wants to try new things that taste of new things, you know. And I was messaging going, you know, Oreos are vegan. She was like, oh, get in. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's all that stuff. And I think it's actually a wonderful. When you realise that, actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> first, yeah, yeah, the first few months are like, ooh, yeah, chicken, I'm not sure if they still, but chicken super noodles was a revelation. Beef and tomato pot noodles. I'm go- I, I, I remember all the healthy things. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I found it was too absolutist for me, but I... A hundred percent down with all the theories behind it, and in awe of anyone who um, well, honestly, who sort of can take it in their stride as a as a lifestyle. Yeah, it's and funny, I think, isn't I think it? As well, it, it matters that people are, uh, don't get too tied up in it. I think. Yeah, I, I think you know it's really interesting that you talk about your your half sister in that way because I think a lot of young people sometimes I think that the having a very particular diet even if yeah. it's something that's, that's for a greater reason like being plant-based yeah yeah can, can be the beginning of, of being very controlling about food and that's never a good no. thing I mean Kat- Kathleen Moran writes in her latest book 
very, very openly and frankly about her daughter and her daughter's struggles with, with eating. It's a very painful read, very, oh. very beautiful. And obviously she had her daughter's permission to write it. Yeah. And that started with veganism, you know, yeah. and it's like, and it, it's not because of the veganism by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a, it's a, a state-sanctioned way of controlling your eating, I think, for oh, some people. It 100% is a mask for, not always, 100%, but there's, there's ma- I think, masses of, masses of um, misuse of the thing. And, yeah. and if it's not, if it's, you know, the, the kind of the relatively harmless end of the spectrum is, it's a mask for, well, relatively harmless, I don't know. The beginning of the spectrum is a better way of putting it, is it's a mask for a diet. Yeah. And diets aren't sustainable long-term ways to live and they don't make people happy and they fuck your... Uh, the, your natural intuition in terms of your hunger yeah. and fullness. And and also there are so many people who aren't meant to be in thin bodies who waste their lives hoping for something that's either going to put them in a permanent state of hunger and pain and misery or impossible. Yeah. That it, it's, uh, and then you've got right the other way, right the other really sort of sad end of that spectrum where it is a, a way of control and counting and restriction and a lifestyle of that which is like a full-on disorder it's so hard isn't it but this even um you know even the sort of uh, i'm a big fan of like intuitive eating which is essentially eating what you want when you want and listening to your body a bit but it's freeing yourself from all the emotional attachment that people have to some foods being bad or this being you have to earn or all of that even that term has been manufactured into uh, something toxic by yeah. sort of sometimes even well-meaning influencers and stuff who actually are going to have some people sat there going, what does my body feel now? What does my body feel now? What does my body feel now? You know, am I full? Am yeah. I full? And it's like, oh God, that's also no way to live. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's that. It, and it's and it is, it's so much... Oh, I mean, as we know, I mean, these aren't new thoughts, are they? You know, yeah. it, the, the the absolute bombardment of, of our minds, you know, mm-hmm. the way that we look at our bodies and, and absolutely that, you know, I mean, I I, I think I'm, I have a healthy relationship to eating and my body. Yeah. I, I think if I have any disorder, it's that I overeat. And so that's what I have to focus on is that I can, I can go hours without eating. You know, I can go without thinking about food. Yeah. And then as soon as I start eating, I find it very, very difficult to stop. And that bit of you that tells you you're full. I, yeah. I, I start to eat faster to override it. <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, oh God, I'm starting to feel full. I better just like cross my body before this. Yeah. It tastes so nice. Yeah. I don't want to be full. I don't want to leave this. But yeah, but it's uh, but yeah, it's my, fun to do that sometimes as well, though. You know, it is. It yeah. is, and that's exactly it. And what you say about like naturally bigger bodies is absolutely right. I mean, you know. Obviously, in in our profession, well, and yeah. you just see it, and and I've seen so many people who are always on diets, and their oh. body never really changes. You know, <laughs> now and again they'll just do something drastic and, yeah, and shrink, change. very sudden and, shrinking, and then, and then you know, it's time you see them, it's back again, and it's yeah. just like, and you and you do think, oh my god, life is so short, yeah. and food can be so, such a lovely part of that, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, oh, and there's a lot of misinformation, I think, in the universe that. 
ultimately, I think even people who are living like that, and I did it for years, you know, concertinaing, and, and like you say, always coming back to roughly the same shape. It took me to my early 30s to go, well, might as well just be happy now yeah. rather than doing that. But even in, the, in those years of doing that, because of the noise of the world, I, I thought that even the what maximum two or three months that I stayed at the you know the lost weight bit of the diet I was like well at least I'm really healthy then and I wasn't <laughs> and I tell you what I mean it seems to be pretty I'm not a scientist but I've read enough now and spoken to enough people now to know that it's it's definitely worse for you health-wise to be concertinering up and down than it is to be in a bigger heavy body yeah like oh, but what can you do what can you do 
I'm always desperately apologetic, even for being a vegetarian before I was like completely plant-based. I'm always just like, I'm really sorry. I'm just like, wanker. I don't, I don't eat meat. I don't eat dairy. And they're just like, oh, no, that's absolutely fine. You know, I was always really accommodating there. I've chosen such the right time to do this. I know, that's it's true, so actually. Much Life just suddenly did get loads, especially in January now that all the big supermarkets yeah. and all the big brands are on the bandwagon now, aren't they? This, and and yeah. actually, there's, you can you can eat a little bit more cheaply now because there was a point yeah. where it was just like, it was such a, like a, it was such a place of privilege to be a oh, vegan. And it kind of still food. is. I yeah, mean, you know, there's an like, element of it. Yeah, With confectionery yeah. and stuff like that, there's definitely an element of it, but... Yeah. Now there are more people, I suppose maybe as well, more celeb chefs who've gone, oh, you could make this on Wednesday, this on Thursday, you know. And actually, if you, yeah, if you are able to cook, I think you save money if you yeah. go planty. If you're not able to cook, it makes it can make life way more expensive, but it has got better now that it's more mainstream. Thank yeah, God. Definitely. And also exactly the same, you can turn up. Most well, certainly as an actor, you can turn up to work now and go, I'm, pl- I'm planty, I'm vegan yeah. and be fine. Um, I, yeah, went, I, mean, I was just... Decent, isn't it? I remember going to a gig in a pub, um, you know, and there was like a TP stage thing at the back of a pub somewhere in Cambridgeshire a few years ago and um, and you got dinner as part of the gig. <laughs> so, so, nice. The gig was, I think it's probably 50 quid in it. I, I was going to say... <laughs> Um, who knows? But um, and remember, be, and the, and and there wasn't anything vegan on the menu. And saying to the lady behind the bar, would there be any anything on here um, that that could be made vegan? And um, she was like, um, yeah. Oh, she was really lovely. She was like, I'm sure. I am sure. Let me go and ask the chef. And I heard the chef through the door go, oh fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and um and they charged me, I think it was twelve quid and it was it was meant to have had, I think, some salmon on it, but it was just a row of sliced tomatoes with some pink Himalayan salt sprinkled near it and some rocket on top of that. And I just sort of carried it back to the bar and went, I'm alright, I just have my money back and wait. Can I and I have some crisps? Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just forget it. That's not <laughs> yeah, you can present that as nicely as you like, but yeah. <laughs> I had, we had this lovely experience of, I was working in Cardiff at the end of last year and we went into Cardiff Market it was like obviously before lockdown and things were a bit more I mean it was still everything was kind of separated and safe and and I went past this like little calf in the middle of the market the indoor market and your, your proper market cafe and nice. I was just like oh I love places like this I said can we just stop in here there's one table and um, right. and I thought oh they, they won't have any oat milk for a cup of tea do you know what I mean they, they just won't but I thought I'll, 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 I'll chance me arm and ask Yeah. and I said I'm really sorry I said I, I'm sorry to ask but you, you don't have any oat milk by any chance do you and he went we're completely vegan I went pardon and it was just like honestly it was like I was in this wonderful dream because this cafe had the cakes in the window like you would have at a proper indoor <gasps> market store. Oh, yes. And they had custard slices. <gasps> and I said, but I saw custard slices in your window. And he said, yeah. He said, my wife, who bakes upstairs in the market, has been working on that for a year. And she's oh. finally got it nailed. And I went, oh, oh my oh. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I said, please get me an oat milk tea and one of those custard slices. It was heavenly. And oh. I'd just seen someone on, like, telly on a programme eating a custard slice a couple of nights before. Oh. I mourned a little bit thinking, never again will I have the joy of a custard slice. <laughs> so it was, like, the best thing. And I went back a week later 
And I went to the window of this little cafe because someone was at the one table. And I went there, he went, oh, hey, love, um, uh, there aren't any custard slices here, but she's making some upstairs. I said, oh, did you know I was going to She said, I smelt it on you. And I went upstairs and she started, she, she was cutting it up for me and putting it in a bag. I said, please don't put it in a bag. I said, I literally, I'm just going to walk to that wall over there and stand with my back to you with the first <laughs> Shove it into my god. I said, I said, let's not go through the pretense that I'm gonna take this home, make myself a cup of tea. I said, I'm literally gonna like walk three paces to that wall. Like, okay, there you go. I said, just put it in my bare hands. Don't watch. Don't, yeah, don't, don't watch. watch. <laughs> yeah. It was just this wonderful thing because that's what I missed. I was like proper day-to-day, you know, yeah. having a proper calf like that. And I had oh. the whole experience, but you know, without any dairy. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Fantastic. Oh, absolutely love it. Talk to me about the eating scene where you live. Is there, because you said there's lots of Sicilian people, is there great Sicilian restaurants where you live? Well, that's where I grew up, Accrington. No, no, weirdly, there there weren't a lot of Sicilian restaurants at all. You know, everyone was cooking at home. No, I mean, I live in Manchester now. So again, it's a great scene. Yeah, absolutely. And how's everyone coping? How uh, is everyone, how's the sort of restaurant scene, cafe scene? food world coping in Manchester with the pandemic of are there because I, I don't know I mean here it's sort of heartbreaking and but equally you know for now until we're sort of surveying an aftermath it's there's a nice it's it, there's also hope in looking at the creativity and innovation of people there's there's chefs doing home orders from their homes cycling things around there's restaurants doing takeaway even really lovely restaurants doing takeaway stuff there's yeah. Now, our local, which isn't fancy at all, it's like at the end of the road and it's like Mediterranean food, there's about five things on the menu. They're lovely with my kid. You know, for vegetarian, you basically have to have the falafel, but it's the best falafel you'll ever have. And it comes in this tray, like this. it's enough for eight people and you always get lunch out of it the next day. So obviously it's enough for me to have two meals out of. Like it's, you know, and they have, uh, they've had the best year they've ever had because they've gone takeaway. And it's like, oh, Wow. So it's not all doom and gloom. So what's it like? Are you aware of even what it's like around... I think it's the same, actually. Yeah. I think, you know, because it's because it's quite urban around here. You know, I mean, my, my daughter was working and has been furloughed from a really lovely little um, vegan cafe in Glossop. So I'm, I'm sort of Greater Manchester, but I'm right on the sort of Derbyshire border. Yeah. So Glossop's a lovely little town. And yeah. and they've set up this, this gorgeous vegan cafe there. And they were in the first pandemic and have continued now taking food parcels to uh, NHS workers, like on the job. Wow. Going to work. Yeah, really great. And you could make a donation for them to do that, but also doing huge amounts of takeaway stuff as well and deliveries. So right. they've kept they've kept buoyant and, and you know and going, which is great. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of that. And I think it, it seems that a lot of people have been um exploring more independent places i think there's been an awareness of like small businesses really struggling in this time and and, and, yeah. and want to support them over the the big companies i mean not right across the board obviously but i think they just seem to have been that but there will be there will be businesses lost for sure and totally. it's and it's so sad it's like it's really i don't i can't imagine actually at the end of this what Manchester will look like. You know, it'll be very interesting to walk around and see what survived and what hasn't, you know, the pubs and the, 
you know, the, the venues, you know, it's... Oh, uh, I mean, it's a head fuck. I, mm. I, I can't work out, even just places to eat wise, whether it's... There are places that were closed during... They obviously furloughed all their staff, were able to do that during lockdown when they're open now for takeaway. And you're like, I wonder mm. if... You know, part of me goes, oh, great, they're innovating. And then part of me goes, yeah, because it's that all pack it in and there's places yeah. that were that have just closed yeah but just but just high street shops wise that's gonna be yeah grim yeah i think even like the big ones we i live in catford in southeast london and we had a boots an argos and a peacocks <laughs> and they've all all, all gone. yeah 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 i know it's and horrible yeah and these are people's jobs, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just horrible, and it? it's, it's, it's going to be. This, we're going to be looking at the impact of it for such a long time. Um, we really are, and I, and I don't know. I really don't know what the world is going to look like afterwards. And I think that we've got to be a little bit careful about about talking about going back to normal because I don't yeah. know if that will happen you know i don't it's really interesting i, I watched a film the other night called uh, the sound of metal An amazing film with riz ahmed in it and it's about a, a drummer who goes deaf and uh, very suddenly goes oh deaf. i've seen a trailer for this it looks amazing it is it's absolutely extraordinary and and he and it's his journey he's he's, he's in recovery he's an addict and and yeah. he is it's his journey into sort of accepting his deafness and it takes him a long time and um and for a long time he's trying to 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 get it fixed and then he kind of does and he spends everything because it's in america he spends everything getting it fixed and then the sound is distorted like it can be with a cochlear implant and right and uh and in the end, you know, there's a sort of resolution to it. There's a final acceptance, I suppose. That's not really a spoiler that, that he is deaf and, and kind of finding peace with that. And I read an, an interview with the, the writer-director who said he feels like it's a perfect metaphor for this time, actually, mm. that, that we're just like, we're getting through it by going like, right, we're doing what we have to do now, but then we'll go back to normal. Then we'll go back to normal. It'll be like it used to be. And then when we get back to it, we used to be, we'll do this and we'll do that. And he said, and, and actually, we just have to sort of, find a place of acceptance that mm-hmm. you know, that that is gone what whatever that was is gone you know and and it's going to be a different world that we emerge into after this mm. and the ones of us who can who can accept that and embrace it and adapt are the ones of us who will thrive and and survive actually you know yeah. we're the ones of us who were just like but it's not like it was you know we're just not going to be able to cope and so so I'm I'm trying to spend a little bit of time just being mindful of that and thinking about the future and not being too sort of like, oh, when I'm back in a sweaty room dancing with lots of other people because yeah. it's just like, okay, that just might not be, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, it's hard yeah. Yeah, or even performing in front of a packed house, you know. Yeah. That's... Um, I know. It's a massive weird, part of it? what we do and it's like, oh, okay. Everything's yeah. going to be scaled down for a, for a long old while, I think. I think so. I mean, I was supposed to be doing, I was supposed to be starting a tour this week yes. as the, the play that you came to see, yeah. Jess, the, the greatest play. And uh, and as you know, you know, it, it, it has a lot, it owes a lot to stand up in that I'm engaging yeah. directly with the audience, you know, Brilliant. so it's, it's something that, and, uh, and it was looking at one point, like I was going to be doing this tour of the North, going to these quite big venues because they were originally going to have a socially distanced audience. Yeah. And then there was talk of like, this was when we were talking tiers rather than full lockdown. Yeah. It was like, but if a, if a venue goes into tier three, uh, then you might just have to live stream it. 
And at one point it was like looking like everyone was going to go into tier three and I was still going to be doing the tour. And the thought of standing, <laughs> of touring around on my own. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of it when I saw it as well was quite interactive and off the cuff as well. So what are you going to have? Lots, lots of really interesting chats with the chairs. Awful, awful, oh. awful. And just like looking out into an empty auditorium because everything yeah. about that play is about connection. Yeah, about energy. And, and, uh, oh, oh. Like, I was like, oh, that might actually cause me uh, uh, some mental health difficulties. <laughs> 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 I'm like, well, so when they were like, oh, I'm really, we're going to have to cancel that. I was like, well, that's actually quite a relief. Yeah, that's fine. But, I, but when we do it, it again, it probably will be to this sort of like separated mm-hmm. audience and that's going to be such a strange thing. And obviously I can't be out there amongst them in the same way. Yeah, yeah. And you just think, okay, well, I'll just have to adapt. I will just have to adapt to that. You know, it's yeah. going to be a, a different thing. It's going to be a, have to be a shift in my my own kind of mindset about that yeah yeah same still slowly getting my head around that yeah <sighs> mm, yum in my tongue sharks learn to walk they breathe air and get thumbs they also become charming so they can persuade people to do things like let them into houses. It's horrific. It's like the Jaws film, but indoors and in real life and constant, as if we didn't have enough to worry about. It's a massacre. It's a shark horror. It's a real life horror film. Luckily, they've agreed to go back to their original shark lives, but only if you, and weirdly it does have to be you, build 900 snow people with full accessories, carrots and that, without a break, in the snow, at altitude, all the while singing the once obsolete and now deeply fashionable sea shanty. It sounds impossible, but you do it! You're a hero. You go down in history as the woman who saved us all from Sharkageddon. Um, you are as happy as it's imaginable to be. You are starving. It took ages to build all those snow people, let alone whilst singing. Um, so you're the happiest and the hungriest it's possible to be. Your reward is a place in history. That's a given, but your reward in the moment is the fantasy feast of your dreams. Nothing has consequences. Anything is possible. Nothing has to even be attainable. I couldn't give a fuck about healthiness, even really ethics anything i would love to know that in your if it's the opposite of a last meal in the sense that you're the happiest and highest and hungriest it's possible to be in in like the the deepest bit of your heart what would be your dream thing things to eat drink and if there's a who with and where who with and where and the other caveat i should add is um we all acknowledge anyone listening that this is your answer now and had i asked you even in 10 minutes it could be a completely different answer because everyone's just like, like emailing out. you afterwards going like oh it's like desert <laughs> island this and it's like oh no 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 i can't i can't not narrow it down to this okay. it's exactly what happens people go i forgot to say rice krispie cake or whatever yeah, yeah. absolutely and i'm sure that will happen to me so what i'm gonna <laughs> right. I'm, I'm gonna say what immediately came into my mind when you said it mm. i would like a uh I am going to go plant-based, even yeah. though it's my treat of a lifetime. Because, Gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I am, I might as well, like, if I'm a hero, I might as well carry on being heroic. <laughs> um, I'm going to have the very best plant-based cheese and onion pie oh. that you got with chips, chippy chips, mm. mushy peas, oh, yes. curry sauce. Yes. White sliced bread and butter, vegan butter, yes. obviously. And then 
with a massive, I mean, I would say a mug of tea with oat milk, but I'd have to have like endless supply of that. And, I, and actually, I would probably have to ask for that during the building of the snowmen as well, a flask of, because I feel like a flask of tea. And then to follow, no, no messing around. I think I would have the vegan custard slice yes. from the cafe in the indoor market in Cardiff. And oh. I'd probably have about three of them because I will have, you know, absolutely earned that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'd have to eat them very quickly to, to override the full button inside with, me, obviously. With your face here. against a wall. With the no one watching. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. I'm actually, I'm most actually watering at the thought of that piece. Oh. So thank you. That's absolutely. Yeah, that's a lovely answer. That is, and actually... It's a very much fresh out of the snow kind of answer as well. Isn't yeah. It? I feel oh, it was very specifically about the that. thought of it. Yeah. 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 And I would Lovely. have it like in my own living room in front of the fire, actually. Whereas, mm. you know, if you'd have given me a different scenario, I would have been on a cliff top in my favourite hotel, overlooking right. the sea at sunset, you know, or in my back garden in the height of summer in the long shadows. But the snow thing, yeah. my, my own living room. No, this like, is a winter feast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. winter feast, telly on, Shit's Creek. Yes. Fire, my dog, and a big bowl of chippy chips. Yeah. Oh, 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 I miss chippy chips. Oh, <laughs> mate, I'm from the seaside, and I've obviously not been oh. back since the summer, and that is, I can't wait to go, and I'm going to ruin them with vinegar. I'm oh, going to yeah. sniff them. I often find the idea and the smell of them is as good, if not better, sometimes than the reality. Oh, yeah. We have them every the Friday. We <gasps> chip, every Friday, chippy chip night. Yeah, oh. yeah. And I and and sometimes we get them delivered sometimes, but when it's not locked down, I go and get them, and it nearly kills me as I drive back with them in the car. I've been able to like rip open paper and like take an handful. Yes. it's like killing me. Oh, thank you so much for being such a dreamy guest. You pop it. Mmm, delicious. If you're not already following Julie on Twitter, do. That way, if you're uh, listening to this way in the future, you'll know where you can find her most up-to-date work and check out what she's doing. Um, if you can afford a uh, quid a week, why not become a contributor to the amazing charity 500 Acts of Kindness? Google it. There's a Facebook page with all, every, all the information. Uh, the play that she mentions, the greatest play in the history of the world, well, I've seen it at the Trafalgar Studios some time ago, obviously, um, and you need to know it's utterly beautiful, really uplifting and brightening. She's extraordinary in it. And um, that's on tour of the northern UK theatres as soon as lockdown lifts. So check it out. And you can catch her in a brand new BBC thriller coming soon called The Pact. Get in. What an amazing and busy Wonder Woman. As ever, links to everything I've just said there, if you're panicking, are in the podcast notes. Come and see Hoovering Live. It's only a few days away. It's this weekend, 2.30 on Sunday the 7th of February on the internet. It'll be a right old laugh. I've got the most brilliant guests. We can all have yummy things to eat there, can't we? Uh, feel free to support the podcast. Write lovely reviews if you want. Recommendations. Give it a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. Subscribe to it. That helps other people find it, apparently, you doing that. Uh, and it makes your life easier. Uh, if you want to support the podcast with actual money, you can go to Acast Supporter to do a one-off payment or you can become a patron i love that most patreon.com forward slash the hoovering pod links as ever to all of that as well also in the podcast notes follow me on social media at jessica foster anything longer than a tweet you can email me through my website jessicafosterq.com huge thanks to acast for hosting the podcast hoovering is produced by emma corsham and the music is by mike greenway until next week happy hoovering 
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.